Welcome to season six of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your marriage and home. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm a military spouse, clinician, and advocate, and I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast. This season, we're talking about what it means to be strong in body, mind, and spirit, and I'm giving you the challenge of rising above your circumstances to become the best version of you. So grab a cup of coffee or head out for that run. We have a lot to talk about. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast and welcome back to the First Responder Series. This is episode three and I am your host, Sarah Foster. And today I am super excited. I feel like I keep saying that every time I have someone on, but I am super excited because my friend Shauna is here with me. Um, I met Shauna, just a quick quick, um, intro is to how I know her. I met Shauna um, through Corey. Who knew? Everyone knows how great Corey is, but did you know she's a wonderful friend matchmaker too? So she paired us together um, at the Empowered Spouses Retreat in 2018. And we have stayed in touch and been friends ever since. So um, welcome Shauna to the podcast. Thank you. Excited to be here. So I just wanted you to probably just go ahead and introduce yourself. You're in law enforcement too, um, and just kind of give a quick background of your life and your family and everything. Yeah, I'd love to. So um, my name is Shauna, and I am a full-time working outside of the house, mama of two, and um, law enforcement wife. Uh, My husband and I have been together 13 years, married. We just celebrated our 13th anniversary. We've been together 20. Um, so we actually started dating before he was in law enforcement. So that's always kind of interesting to reflect on, um, the differences there, but our boys are eight and 10 years old. Um, and we have a dog Paige as well. So Paige and I are the only two girls in the house. So, um, that's always fun. And yeah, that's a little bit about me. I do work, like I mentioned, outside of the house full time at a charity that helps, um, families with sick children. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah. So um, I thought we would talk today, kind of, if you're looking at like a theme, not just the importance of community, but the importance of friendship um, within the law enforcement or the first responder community, um, or even just a service marriage. Because I know I've spoken before of um, just my on previous podcasts of like, kind of like the evolution of where I kind of went, where I was kind of just had civilian friends, didn't really have anyone that was living a similar lifestyle to me and, um, didn't know I needed it. And then when I found it was like, Oh my word, how did I live without it? And when I was thinking about bringing on, I kept thinking about even just the last year and a half now. And it's like, if I could say anything about us, I'm like, we like, you helped me laugh my way through (laughs) 2020. Cause I feel like anytime we get together, it just, I just giggle like, and it's like, it's just really nice. Like to have someone who just, you know, gets it and understands. And I've been so privileged to have met you and, and be able to have that relationship. So I just wanted to, I guess, kind of highlight that and highlight, um, I don't know the evolution of us, I guess. And then also just maybe what that has done for your life or, um, how it has helped, or if you've seen a significant I'll let you speak. Look, um, what was your kind of background? My background we know is coming from like, I had no law enforcement friends. I have a lot now, but you were one of my very first ones. And so, um, what was that like for you? Like what, you know, where'd you come from? 
Yeah. And I also just want to say, I also appreciate the laughter of our friendship because we've said it a million times, and especially through 2020, right? Like if you didn't laugh about it, you might be crying about it. (laughs) So it's like, it's nice to have someone that understands, um, I don't want to say the humor of it, but just like, again, if I don't laugh at this with somebody who gets the irony or what's funny about it, I might just be crying (laughs) in a corner. So, um, thank you for that. Yeah, definitely a gift. Um, but so a little bit about my background. Um, I also, you were probably one of my first law enforcement friends too. I did have, um, one who I met through, um, my husband who, when he was going through college, um, and, and his, Um, education was a little bit different where he didn't have to go to the academy, like college and the academy were like all in one. So he graduated um, ready to go, ready to be hired. So that was a little bit different, but he and um, another guy, they actually graduated and their first job was, um, I call it a boat cop. There's probably another term like water patrol. So at 19 years old, um, 20, I mean, they were young, um, did water patrol. And so her and I kind of piled up and were like, is this a real job? Like, are they for real? Like (laughs) water cops? And I'm not sure what's even happening. And um, so we were about the same age and it just made sense to like, okay, here's college. Here's their graduating. Here's a first job. And then they both after that summer moved on to um, other jobs uh, with departments. So it was just a really funny evolution, but her and I've um, definitely kept in touch. And it's just interesting though, um, you know, we've kind of stayed in touch throughout the years and kids and things like that, but distance um, is always really difficult too. So she was probably my one and only friend um, for a good decade (laughs) in the law enforcement realm. Um, And then kind of just for me, I didn't even know I needed it. Like you said, I just didn't even know I needed it. So that's one of the things I would say to someone who thinks, you know, they're new in career and, and I got this and I don't need to lean on any other, um, you know, spouses or friends. And I would just say, you absolutely do. You don't know what you're missing if you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so then kind of reaching out to Corey and then and meeting you just really showed me, even though we don't live very close together, you can still have that relationship and that um, support system, even if it's not within your own town or county. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was thinking too, I almost think it's um, extra special in a way. It sucks because I can't like physically see you when I want to see you. But I think part of what helped to some degree our relationship grow, um, <clears throat> it can be difficult when you're trying to have a relationship with those in the same department as you, because you, I feel like it's a little bit of a tiptoe of like, what am I, what should I be saying? What should I not be saying? Whereas we are in completely different states and, com- you know, working in completely different departments. Well, our husbands are. And so, any information you and I divulge to each other really isn't getting back to the department itself ever. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kind of like a safe place. And so um, I've really found that particular piece to also be really nice. And I found myself thinking, how do you create that at home? You know what I mean? Like if you do have, it's not to say that you can't have relationships with those that are in the department, but I think the dynamic is a little bit different because at times, I guess, if you are just wanting, I mean, when you want to just talk about the issues, you just don't know what might circle back. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've, I've said that a number of times too. this, you know, and Corey uses the word like sacred space and things like that, but this, it does, it feels like a safe space to me, um, where you're, you're, I'm sorry if you're hearing my dog, (laughs) you are, 
um, you know, you're listening to me and my heart and, and responding to that versus maybe if you're on the department, you're hearing other perspectives, um, as well, teeth or, you know what I mean? Like it's Mm -hmm. lived experience. And so I don't have to fill you in on that lived experience of, oh my gosh, he was so tired because he, you know, worked third shift or got ordered over or ordered in or whatever it is. Like, so when I'm talking to you, I can just leave that part out and, and you understand how that feels because you've lived it. So I think, um, I think that's with anything in life. So finding someone who has those shared experiences, I see that a lot with my own work, families with sick children, they kind of tend to, um, pull together too, because they get it, um, without having to say it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way. That's like a really, I like that, that label of like shared experience. Cause I'm always like, it's just an undercurrent of understanding, but it's from shared experience. And so it's like, you can kind of meet someone and they're already caught up. Like, you yeah. know, you, cause you're like, where do I start? Like, yeah, where do I start? You know? And then even if you did try to start, then you kind of get the blank look. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like that's interesting. Or you, know? you throw like a little bit out there and see how they react to it. And then you like pull in or go more. Um, yeah. yeah where, where you don't have to do that with someone who kind of lives the same lifestyle. Yeah, I agree. So <clears throat> one of the things I wanted you to talk about is I know that, th- well, this is one of the things I like, and I think even the military can- community can relate to this is like, yes, our husbands are both in law enforcement, both in for about the same time. You guys have been in a little bit longer than us. Um, but between the fact that we're in different States in different departments, um, with different, uh, like, you know, Kenny's on SWAT and I know, um, Adam is, you know, I think he's, is he just patrol or is, is, has he ever been in like special things or anything like that? Like, I don't know. I see and they all, when I'm asking that it's because they all group them differently too. So it's yeah. like SWAT is, yeah. can be a tech attack team can be a this or that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's interesting again, and I just think it's so fascinating to watch, you know, people in law enforcement, even within that group have like gifts that are used for SWAT or for, um, training. So my husband really, I feel like his gift or his calling within law enforcement is training. So he's been a firearms instructor, um, you know, range instructor, um, he is a FTO, field training officer. Um, he's been doing that for a couple of years. So he just really, um, officer safety is very big for him. Um, and so he feels like if he can help shape the, the younger deputies coming up, that's, that's helping the department, that's helping him, that's helping them. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's just something he takes a lot of pride in and something he really enjoys. So I would say the FTO is definitely, they've um, done some hiring and that's definitely taking a lot of his time lately, but something that he really enjoys. So I would say that, um, is kind of his specialty, so to speak. Yeah. And so I feel like the military can say the same thing. It's like, you've got, okay, I'm joining the military, but then you've got, and I'm going to go act, you know, I'm going to be, I'm not going to even start to attempt, um, set titles because I don't know them all, but you know, we know that there's different branches, different specialties, you know, you might be on a technology side, you might be like, boots on the ground, you know, there's just all kinds of different routes. Um, and I think it's similar in that, um, we're in law enforcement, but there's different things happening or different little sects of things or whatever your, um, I guess, niches or your specialty, like I said, um, can be a little bit different, but again, overall the shared experience is there. Um, so I wanted you to talk a little bit, cause I know also I have lived I have lived with Kenny prim- primarily a more day shift when he was on patrol, we did a more day shift, which was like 6am to 6pm, I think, which was, which is silly. Cause it, well, it was like 6am to whenever, like it was never 
6 p.m. It's like 8 p.m. That's what it was more like. But, um, you know, now we do more of like an evening type shift where maybe um, he's getting home somewhere in the night, but not incredibly late. But you guys did third shift, which is that's like all night, correct? What does that usually run? Yeah. Um, third shift for us, yeah, is overnight, right? So that's 11 p.m. start to 7 a.m. Um, but yes, our marriage has done all the shifts. We've done second shift, um, third shift, and now very recently first shift. So, because that's what I thought you'd been on second shift for a while and then you would just switch to third when I met you, right? Yeah. So we've been married for 13 years and the first almost 10 years of it was second shift. Um, which is right 3 p.m. to 11 p.m., which is really interesting when I work day shift, right? You can imagine you don't see each other much. Um, so that was about a good 10 years of our marriage. And then the last three years um, was a third shift. So my husband could be more present with our boys. Um, and then just very recently and unexpectedly, uh, day shift this past summer. Yeah. And I wanted you to kind of, if you want to, to speak to that, <laughs> like what that's a big shift for lack of a better word of going from, you know, you're running your schedule, which has to keep staying concrete. Cause that's the other thing that, that you and I both bring to the table is we're, we're bringing a little bit of different side. Mine has always felt more like malleable. Like I can kind of like, you know, most stuff I have is not so concrete. Like, well, sorry, I have to be at work at seven, you know, the next day, no matter what's happened to you, that's not really the dynamic in our home, but in yours, it is that you have, you know, you've got a job to go to, you've got to get up at a certain time. So you can't stay up till two in the morning or try to like, you know, reset with him or however. So what does that look like? Um, it is, I'm laughing because it's a constant like juggling. And I would say one of the things recently that my husband's like, I appreciate that about you is I, I view it as like, creating order out of chaos. So he throws the curveballs and I have to figure out where the children are going and how I'm going to get to work on time. Right. Um, so I remember so many times with second shift where he would call and be like, I'm, I'm ordered over. I have a late call. And, you know, I'm getting that call at late at night when I'm already sleeping. Cause my alarm's going off at five in the morning. So I can be, mm-hmm. you know, work. Um, so then I'm in the middle of the night trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the babies the toddlers, um, <laughs> since he's not going to be home or that kind of thing. And so, um, but again, I, that energizes me to try to figure that out, but I could figure, I could see how that would be so hard for someone who maybe, you know, we kind of coined this phrase in our marriage and I'm like, we need to have our, our wedding, uh, bands re-engraved, but, um, it, like we'll figure it out. That's what we say. We always say we'll figure it out. And I feel like we have said that so much that I'm not kidding. I think for our anniversary, we need to have it engraved because that's law enforcement, right? It's like change of schedule, change of this, change of that. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We always do. That's what he says. You know, I'm like, we'll figure it out. And he's like, you always do. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it'll be okay in the end, right? We're going to figure yeah. somewhere for the kids to go. I'm going to get to work somehow. Now, luckily, I have a job that's a little bit more flexible. While it is um, full-time, it's a little bit flexible, which really does help. Um, but we didn't have family close, and we still don't have family super close. So again, needing friends, needing community um, is something, like I said, we learned that we needed Um it was like, you know, what, what are we going to do? Well, you know, my, now I have friends that'll be like, don't even worry about it. Just drop the kids here. Take your husband where he needs to go. Or, you know, he can pick them up when he gets in after the shift. And so that's been a godsend. And these are people not in law enforcement, just 
people that see the chaos that that lifestyle can create and they truly want to help. So that's just to me been a real eye opener of like people want to help. They may not understand your lifestyle, but they do want to help and they appreciate it. So um, that's for sure been a gift. And I'm just interested to know, cause, okay. So again, completely different situation over here where both of our family is here, but then also too, like I usually take the brunt of whatever childcare is needed, right? Like it's more like I'm finding childcare if there's something going on with me, but like I am the childcare and I hate, I think I've said that twice now and I really want to make sure I'm like, okay, I am not just the childcare person. I'm not diminished to just that role, but that is the role I have chosen to take on for our family of a more like supportive role. Um, because it was something that, you know, I wanted to do and we worked out and it's funny, I'm listening to you and I'm like, oh, your motto sounds so much more positive, which just goes with you when you're like, we'll work it out. Is that what you said? We'll work it out. Or what did you we'll say? figure it out? We'll figure it out. Yeah. And ours is the only thing, the only thing consistent is the inconsistency. That's what we say all the time, which sounds a little bit more negative. (laughs) So it just kind of makes me laugh. But for me, um, being more, because I want to be so rigid, um, putting myself in a position where I actually could be more fluid helped me with the inconsistency because the inconsistency drives me nuts and it drains the living daylights out of me. And so, um, to feel like I do have too much to juggle, like, oh my gosh, there's all this expectation on me over here too. For me and my personality, it, it looked better for our family. And I'm really trying to put emphasis too on me, our, because that's what I want to get to, too. It's just the uniqueness that I think of our friendship coming from different places with this, but being very close and never feeling like, you know, the whole work mom, stay at home mom, you know, drama. I've never, ever felt like that with you. And, um, but yeah, just kind of deciding that because that does not energize me, it, it help it helps me to be more in the role that I'm in. Um, and isn't that the goal, right? That our family is successful, um, and that everybody is doing what they feel like they need to do to make the family successful. And that can look wildly different. Um, just as even everybody being maybe in law enforcement, but they all have different specialties, like, it, but you're still got this kind of common goal that you're working under. So, well, I think that's, what's so cool about families. And I know we've talked about that a lot before is it doesn't have to look the same. It doesn't have to be your family has to eat dinner every single night together, or you're not a family, or you're not going to be a successful family. Um, maybe for somebody else, it's breakfast every morning or Friday Mm -hmm. game night or whatever it is. And like you said, everybody working within like their gifts and what energizes them. And, you know, for you figuring out what that looks like for your family. And I just think that's so cool. I'm again, I understand that that's not something that really rattles me. Although I could see how this lifestyle, if it did, there would need to be adjustments, right? Cause it would be like, I can't handle this. Um, yeah. But it, not to say it's not hard because it does days where I'm like, oh my gosh, I've already now figured this problem out three times and it's changed five <laughs> times, you know? Um, so that does get frustrating sometimes too. But I think for me, um, you know, I had, so I, I spoke to kind of the second shift work and then the third shift, my husband kind of was like, Hey, you know, I'm not seeing the kids now that they started, um, school, I'm going to change the third shift. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And that was such a change. Right. And I, I also say it's like a lifetime of first because it was, it was when he three years ago decided to go to third shift after 10 years on second shift, 
our marriage looked different. Our family time looked different, right? We had mm-hmm. it figured out on uh, mm-hmm. second shift. And now there were new norms. There were new times of coming and going. And I would say, again, I try to look at not what this lifestyle takes, but what it gives, because it does. It takes a lot, right? It takes a lot. But what does it give? It's given, um, you know, I always look at the relationship that my two boys have with their dad, with my husband now. And that I believe is a direct correlation to his profession and that second shift because I worked day shift. And so when the babies and the toddlers woke up in the morning, he was the one warming up bottles because I was already gone for the day. Now, Mm -hmm. if I had been there, I would have inserted myself because that's just with babies and toddlers what I was, right? I was like taking care of everybody. Um, But by removing myself, I allowed them that space to develop a relationship that's become so beautiful and so strong, right? They don't just go to mom. And so I think, again, right, that looks different for each family, not right or wrong. But for us, Mm -hmm. I felt immense guilt back then. But now I look back and think, wow, there was a lot of beauty being woven in that I didn't see, right? Yeah. And so I love that about second shift. So when I do hear people talk about second shift, I'm like, it's tough. I would get off work, come home, make dinner by myself, do bedtime, bath time with, you know, babies, clean up, um, all the things and then go to sleep before he was even home. And I had people say a lot, I don't know how you do that. It's like, well, I don't know that I was given a choice really, you know? Yes. Um, yes. If day shift was a choice when we were in our twenties, great, but it's, it's not for so many people. So I really try to look at what each shift, um, does give. And I know you talk a lot about that too, with, you know, you and Kenny finding that coffee time. Um, I think if you can look for those opportunities to create meaningful time in your marriage, in your family time, it doesn't have to look like Friday pizza night or Friday movie night. Um, Mm kind of like, you know, what people expect it to look like. Yeah. And, you know, even to that point, um, you know, one of the, I did not I kind of did want to marry into first responder life. I had been in a previous relationship actually that was with military life. And I was like, nope, like, like not going to do that once that ended. And so then I meet Kenny and he's like, oh, I want to be a cop. And I'm like, okay, like it's kind of the, it's not the same, but like, it seems more manageable because you're not deploying. That was like my big thing is don't ever leave little clingy me, little 20 year old clingy me was like, don't ever leave, <laughs> be my friend forever and stay with me all the time. It's like how I kind of looked at things. And I certainly have grown through that, but you know, so one of the things that he said, literally the night he proposed to me, he was like, well, it was like a half proposal because he said, will you marry me if I become a cop? And my answer was only if you don't work nights. <laughs> I just, I didn't want to be alone. You know, it's sad. You look back, you're like, oh, that's sad little girl. Like, <laughs> push yourself together. Well, and that takes some getting used to. I mean, now my husband has been on day shift for just a few months and I have told you like, oh gosh, like he, I remember like the first week he's like, I don't know where you're going to sleep because like joking, right? Because it was like, I slept in the bed at night. He slept in the bed during the day. So for the last, how, you know, a, the bulk of our marriage, we haven't had to share a bathroom getting ready in the morning. We haven't had to share a bed much. Um, and so it's just new norms of when people are home, when they're coming and going. And so, you know, half joking, I'm like, oh no, this is my bed, you know? Um, <laughs> and he'll be like, and you're loud. I'm like, well, you move a lot. And so we're just adjusting to that. And I'm like, who at 13 years in the marriage is still like <laughs> figuring that out? But yeah, because it's new. Yeah. That sounds very newlywed-ish in a sense. You know what I mean? Like learning to live in a new way. And you know, that's why it's so funny because I just assumed 
um, because I had grown up in just a civilian life and my dad was home by, and he worked an earlier job. So he was home by three most days, weekends off, like just came from a very different place coming into this that I just thought nights will kill me. Like, you know what I mean? Like you cannot work nights. And so we force fed days for all those years when my kids were babies and days did not work for us. Now I was unwilling to see that because I was trying to cram us into this box, right? Like you need to be home every night, but he was getting home at, so basically he was because of the commute, he was leaving. So I would be up with babies, be there all day, you know, cause I, again, talking about different departments, our ships are 20 or 12 hour. So then you tack on an hour commute. That's 14 hours if you're not getting held out. So, um, I would do babies all day long and put them down. And then, you know, it would be right when I was putting them down that he should have been getting home. But most times it would be like, I'm going to be, I would get the text. I'm going to be a little late. I'm like, Oh, please specify little because I'm hanging on by a thread here. Like every five minutes is a lot late, you know, at this point. So when he went to um, mid shift, what you would have called a second shift or what we call evenings where he was getting home more at 11 or midnight. I was like, we should have done this all along because he actually had morning time and I'm kind of a night owl. And then I actually got alone time. I didn't just go from being with kids to then being with an adult who um, I'm going to say this carefully, but like also has needs, like, yes, I want to talk to him, but also like, he's probably not eaten or, you know what I mean? Like there's still just things to get done. And so to have a, a break where I put kids down and then it's just me just hanging out, like I have no, you know, I'm not accountable to anybody for a few hours was really energizing to me and something that I failed to see because I was trying to cram us into just this box that, that the box that I thought was labeled success. And like, I even listened to you and I'm like, that would have sounded horrifying to me. If somebody would have said for 13 years, we've not shared the same bed. Like, you know, I'd be like, Oh my gosh, like, how are you, what's your marriage really look like? But I know you, and I know your marriage does do well. And I think that's the point is like, I kind of get this picture of like, someone handed me popsicle sticks and being like, okay, build a mansion like this. And then you can like sit around and complain that you only have popsicle sticks or you can just build it with the popsicle sticks and do the best that you can and find the good with the materials that you're being given, I guess. And what the, to your point, there is good in every single one and there's challenge in every single one, but that challenge can then for birth more good, you know, if you allow it to. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I think it's so interesting again, and trying to find the good, because like I said, it sure does take a lot, but, um, I think that this lifestyle, it's really turning my boys. I'm seeing into re- uh, kids that are really adaptable because there's so many times where it's like, Oh, we were going to go apple picking, but dad's held over, you know, we're gonna do that tomorrow instead. Um, where, you know, I had a friend describe like, her son had a complete, he was just completely upset when a play date got canceled because his friend was sick, you know? And, and so I think it teaches kids kind of some understanding and removing it from, from themselves, right? It's all about me and my play date and my wants into like, this is what it is and we need to adjust and we need to adapt. And, and I think that's going to serve them so well in life to be able to do that. Now, that's not to say, you know, I think, um, one of the things my husband does really well is kind of create some boundaries, um, where he can with the job as well. Um, especially with me working outside of the house, he's had to say, no, I'm not going to put in that 
in for that promotion because guess what? I am responsible as a parent, as a father for the childcare when my wife is at her job, um, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, like you said, if, if I stayed at home, we might not have that dynamic and maybe he would, would climb the ladder or, or whatever he, you know, but there's been times where he's like, that doesn't make sense for our family. And like I said, I, I just really, I think that goes to just, your marriage, your family, what makes sense and communicating that, right? Both people communicating um, their dreams and their needs and kind of what is best for the family. And so my husband, and I've always been aligned on family first, both with his job and my job. And so we're very intentional about what that looks like for two working parents. And again, I think Um, that's one of the things that I love about our relationship too. I think it has taken intentionality. Like I can't just run across the street to your house. Um, It takes us setting intentional time to talk to one another, which again, I think can create a really meaningful, more beautiful friendship too. Mm -hmm. And that's where even what you're saying, your motto family first. And I'm like, you know, us too. I I don't know if we would necessarily brand us as that, but that is always at the forefront of what's best for our entire family and what that looks like. And so even as being a stay at home mom, um, when Kenny wanted to go in full-time swap, that was a conversation. You know, it wasn't just like, Hey, thanks for staying at home. I'm going to do whatever I want. Like it was like, there were pros and cons of like, okay, what, what's full-time call out going to look like? And not just what's full-time call out going to look like on a family with small children. What's it going to look like on Sarah, the individual, like who doesn't adapt well, you know what I mean? And it, I, I, obviously you see that we still chose to do it despite, you know, so there were more things to it, but I think that's just what we're even getting at is like, it's not even just what you're actually doing, but who you are and like who your people are, who, what your team is comprised of and what they are capable of handling and what would be more difficult and how to circumvent those things. And so then circling back to our relationship, yours and I's, it's like the reason why there's no, um, I don't want to say like animosity, but you know, there's just such a culture war, war on like staying home moms versus work moms. And somebody's always making somebody sound like they're not doing what they should be doing. And I think both of us have family first. So when we are talking to each other, that's what we're supporting each other in. And I'm not cramming what I believe and what I have found that family first looks like in my life as the model on you, nor are you cramming your model on me. But I can support you in your model because I feel the same way about my family. Like what's best for your family. And Oh yeah. Like, let me support you in that when you're talking to me, like, I'm not thinking about, well, you know, if you just quit your job, like, you know, I'm not thinking that I'm thinking, how do we boundary this? Well, you've got a lot, like you're right. You know, and I'm just kind of, that's what I'm thinking when I'm talking to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think what's so beautiful is your model, the foster model wouldn't work for the Thayers and the Thayer model wouldn't work for the fosters. Like, right. And there's beauty in that. Like I love, I I love families. I love all things families, which is what I do for a living too. With my nonprofit is I help families stay together and support their children when they're sick. And so for me, I mean, their models look different with sick children and one working parent or no working parents or whatever that looks like. And, and there's still so much beauty in these families. Um, and so I just, if anything, I just hope families can, can look at what works for them. Like you said, and stop comparing to like, I have to fit in this box of success or my family's not well. Um, and you know, when your family's well, you live in your home, you know, you know, keep a pulse on your family, you know, when your when your marriage is well, and when your kids are doing well. Um, and I think just, you know, keeping a pulse on that and not trying to use somebody else's measuring stick of what success looks like for family or for marriage, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And I would describe that pulse as 
the inner pulse that you should be keeping on one, one thing that I think we've talked about before, I think someone said to you and you tell it if I botch it, but someone said to you, like, how can you want to be home? Like something along that, how can you be excited to go home? To me, if you're asking that question, like there's your pulse, go fix your home. Do you know what I mean? Like, what do you need to do to fix your home? Like, because, because if you find yourself avoiding it, if you find yourself avoiding your children, avoiding your husband, what that's it, that's the pulse. That's the red flag of what, what adjustments do I need to make here? So I want to come home. So I want to be around these people. So I enjoy them when they're here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially in law enforcement, when the world doesn't feel safe sometimes for conversations or for, um, you know, even your lifestyle or what you represent, like it is, it's your safe place. So for us coming home has always been the safe space, the peaceful place. Um, and something we take a lot of pride in, um, in maintaining. And that takes work, right? That takes intentional work. Um, but yeah, no, I did. It was probably like seven or eight years in. And I was like, I got to get out of work on time. Like I'm having dinner with my husband and my kids tonight. And she's, I, I remember the look on my coworker's face because she was just like, Oh, I've never met anyone like eight years into marriage. Who's like, I got to get home on a Wednesday (laughs) to have dinner with my family. And I was like, but that's different for us too, right? That's when he was working second shift. So I was like, family dinner doesn't happen every night. Um, so I think sometimes too, again, the blessing, right? The silver lining of it is this isn't ha- this isn't a gift we're given every day. So it really is a gift to family, you know, dinner on a Wednesday night. But that really stuck with me because I thought, well, how sad is that? Like, <laughs> you know, what do their family dinners look like? Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that one really stuck with me. Yeah. And I think that's just tends to be the way I look at things is like, it's almost like you have to take an inverse mindset. Like your natural, like if things aren't well at home, perhaps your most natural response would be to avoid home. You know what I mean? Like, and then, but it's like, but no, that's actually a cry for help. Like, it's like, that's where you're attempted to, you got to push into it. You got to like push into that pain. Like I was talking about, um, last time with Kenny, you know, when I, I ran with him, he spent a year, um, training for SWAT. And so I started running with him because I do like running, but I mean, goodness, I used to run like a 10 minute mile. Like I was never like in it to push myself. I would just run. Um, and through him pushing me, there were so many lessons to be learned through that of like, you can go further. You can do more. Um, and I think it's that same thing of like, you push into the pain and it does yield something good, but it's going to be uncomfortable. I think sometimes the facade can be that, Oh, these perfect families, like they need the perfect situation to be successful. They need, and it's really like, no, it's up to the individual and what you're bringing to the table and what your focus is, because you can have careers. You cannot have careers. You can, so you can have careers and your focus will be completely family-minded. Like what you're saying, you can have careers and it not be family-minded, which is what we see sometimes you can stay at home and not be family-minded, you know? And I think someone needs to hear that, you know, because sometimes I think that can maybe be the presentation of like, if you leave, it's like, you're not being present, but you know, there are plenty of opportunities in a day of staying home that you can choose to not be present, that you can choose to try to escape, whatever that may be your situation that you don't like. So you can, it's really up to the individual and not so much the circumstance that sets you up for failure or, um, success. It's really more on the individual rather than, you know, we need this to be successful. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, and I think it just takes, really looking at what your family goals are and then backing it. Like you said, we could have, you know, 
we could both work day shift and our kids could go to school and we could all get home at the same time and we could all go in separate bedrooms and get on our devices and there'd be no family time at all, yeah. you know? Um, but like the other night, the kids started doing that. Adam's like, nope, we're going to come back together and we're going to like play a card game. And they both at first were like, Ugh. and then like, as soon as we started playing it, they were like super into it. But, um, you know, it's easy to kind of, especially in, there's so many distractions, right? There's so many things buying for our attention, our time, um, not just jobs, right. But other relationships, um, you know, with parents, with neighbors, with friends, um, other commitments outside the house. Um, but so I think it's just, you know, and I know that word is maybe overused, but intentionality. And I really do think that's what it comes down to. Um, my husband and I make, a, we're, we're big celebrators. <laughs> we celebrate birthdays really big. We celebrate anniversaries really big. And when I say really big, like, I mean, it's just like crazy decorations in our house and the birthday person gets to pick all their meals. And, um, it's so funny because our kids have now like picked up on that. <laughs> um, and so, but, but it can look different, right? Like my husband um, and I just celebrate our 13th wedding anniversary. He doesn't have weekends off. Um, he has a rotating schedule. He doesn't have weekends off for another couple months. So we took a Wednesday through Friday. I took some time off. Um, my neighbor who also has kids took the kids and got them to school and got them home from school for two days, which was right. Such a blessing. So kind of her to do so that my husband, and I could have a midweek anniversary celebration. Um, and for us, it was just so meaningful because we got that time. Yeah. It didn't look like a weekend away, um, hustle and bustle of a town, but it was, it was quiet and it was, it was perfect. And it was just setting that time aside. But I know that took a lot of intention around childcare and days off work and all that thing, all that. But um, again, I think it's so meaningful to make sure you're doing that. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I agree. It's just, uh, it's intentionality. It is overused, but it is so necessary because so many things are vying for our attention and so many things are all consuming if we allow them to be. And if we just kind of get, allow ourselves to be tossed to and fro expecting a good family to come out of that, you know, when you never give it a second thought or a good marriage to come out of that. Um, yeah, you're not going to, I don't think you're going to like your result in your end. If you think, you know, you kind of just let the whirlwind take you over. It's like, you got to draw lines in the sand and say, nope, this is what we're doing now for this second or this minute, or this is how we're intentional in this season. And then it gets turned on its head because everything's inconsistent, you know, and because going back to those changes of like, you're talking about the shifts, I feel it even in, yes, Kenny's been in the same, he's been on call, but their schedule has changed even not even like super drastically, but even just coming um, from getting home earlier in the night versus later in the night. And it was like in a period of adjustment. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, why are you home already? Like I'm used to this or that. And, and that takes time. And it is almost like a newlywed or like a, a new beginning of figuring out what works and working through the difficulties and challenges that that brings. And I don't know, I guess you can, I think the trap could be that, you, you know, or at least for me, if I look too much back, I'm like, I like it the old way. Well, that's nice, but it's not the old way anymore. So suck it up. Like, you know what I mean? And figure it yeah. out because, you know, maybe you can glean things from the old way, but you really just have to find a whole new way is what they're really, you know, what you're really trying to work with. Yeah. We actually, last night we were working on planning. Um, again, we're really intentional with our, our family vacations each year. That's something that Adam and I, we say like, we both need to take a week off of work and nothing but family time, right? Like one week out of the year. And we really intentionally plan that. And we were doing it last night. And, um, my youngest, my eight-year-old, he was like, well, I really want to go to this place in the winter. Cause I like the look of it. 
but I like the activities of the fall. And the idea of seasons just came, like when he was describing that, right? He was trying to fit his activities that he wanted to do in a season that didn't make sense. Yeah, and that's, that's I was like, that's like brilliant. I, you know, it just like clicked. I was like, that's brilliant the way he's describing that. He's like, I want to do these things, but I want to do them in this season. But I understand I can't do those activities in the winter season. And I was like, correct. (laughs) You're not like, you're not going to go swimming in the winter. You're not going to go, you know, and he was having a real disconnect of, I want to say yes to these activities, but I want to put them in this season. That doesn't make sense. And, and he got it, but he's like, man, I wish I could, you know? And that got me thinking like, you know, when I had babies and toddlers and he, my husband was working second shift, there were so many things I would have loved to be a part of. Like, you know, I had some friends that were going to like a Tuesday night Bible worship and a Wednesday night women's walking club. And I was like, my husband's gone every night. I can't do any of that, you know? Um, And that just wasn't the season for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when he was saying that last night, I was like, wow, that's so true. And um, so don't try to force activities that maybe it's not the season for that. Um, And so now that our boys are eight and 10 and Adam's working day shift there right now. I'm like, Oh, you know, would you like to meet out for a glass of wine on a Tuesday? Uh, yeah, I think I can do that because my <laughs> husband's home. Right. And, and not that that's something you do all the time, but I can say yes. And I was like, that's so exciting. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But that's the season that we're in. So, yeah. And I know for me, the lie can be that it'll never be that season, especially when my kids were little, I was like, Oh God, this is it. Like for the rest of my life, this is it. Like, you know, and I love them very much. Now I look back on that season with very much rose colored glasses. Cause it goes, it does go by quick. Yeah. It does not feel like that in that moment. You know what I mean? And so then the lie becomes like, well, I'll never ride a bike again, I guess, <laughs> whatever it is. And you will, you know, like in your wildest, not in your wildest dreams, but back then when you, if you go back to Shauna with her little babies and, and second shift, would you have pictured that this is where you could have been right now? You know what I mean? Like, would it have been easy to see that? No. And isn't that the beauty of it though? Like mm-hmm. I said, I was like, this is second shift and I get to do nothing ever. And my husband is gone <laughs> and <laughs> woe is me. And this is terrible. And I'm just going to trudge through. And I did, right. I was like, just get it done. Like that was my, that's how I got through the day. It's like, get it done bath, bed, put the kid, you know, bath, yeah. dinner, bedtime, put him to bed, like boom, 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 you know? Um, but now, like I said, I look back on that and I was like, look at this beautiful relationship that it's created for my husband and my kids and look at me and my husband still taking time intentionally because for 10 years we had to, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think looking back, it is, it's hard. Like you said, you kind of do look back. Um, and it's always easier to do that kind of like distance yourself a little bit. Cause when you're in it, it's tough for sure. Babies and toddlers, but it is hard to imagine a season when you, a friend can say, do you want to go for a walk? And you're like, sure. I mean, I look forward to the time. I think I'm not sure at what age they can start to stay by themselves, but not too far, probably off. Right. And it's like, if I want to go for a walk around the block and the kids are on their own. I mean, I remember knocking on the neighbor's door one time and the little girl, I forget how old she was. Um, cause I had babies at the time and the neighbor was like, or the little girl was like, my mom's sleeping. And I was like, it is Saturday at nine o'clock. What is she doing? (laughs) But now I'm thinking that kid was probably like 12 or 13. So it was probably fine. But me with a baby going, she gets to sleep till nine o'clock on a Saturday. Like what? Um, It's hard to imagine that's possible. And that's where Mm -hmm. we are now. You know, the kids can get up and pour themselves a a box of cereal or whatever um, it is. And um, 
Yeah, it is hard to imagine though. Yeah, and I know because I mean we still have more to come when they're like, hey, we're gonna go work our own job. And you're like, what? Like, what do we do? And they're gone for like eight hours. What is that gonna look like? Um, even with you know, now now you're taking another schedule. You know what I mean? Like talk about being intentional with family time and now you've got a teenager working, you know? So it's like, yeah, you don't know. But but what what other sort of freedom are you gonna find in that season? So there's always, and this is what I try to tell, especially my oldest who at the who I feel like right now in his life is just wanting to cherry pick, which we all tend to do of like, I want this part. It's kind of like what you were saying, like, I want these activities in this season. Well, that's nice, but it doesn't happen that way. And one of the things I find myself over and over saying to him is like, all right, if you want that person's life, you got to take the bad with it too. Because what you're seeing is a piece of the good side, but you're not seeing the crap that they had to deal with or the challenges that they face. You know, you're only seeing this little itty bitty piece and you're thinking, and you're jealous or, you know, or you're, you're wanting that, but you don't even really know what you're wanting, you know? Um, yeah. Or what you're actually saying you want, I should say, you know what you're wanting, but you think it comes like isolated from all these things. But the truth is it's all intertwined. Um, Our challenges can bring out the good things, what someone looks like they have, and you don't, you arguably probably have something that, that, you know, they don't have. I wanted to ask you when you were talking about your kids and them learning like adaptability, um, do you, has it always been that way in the sense of, do you think because literally they were born into the lifestyle, they know no different, or did you, um, find that there was an adjustment or it is difficult sometimes for them to understand that course correction and that disappointment that comes and how to handle it? Um, has, does that arise or has that arisen? Like, was there a point in time they were really struggling and you maybe, what did you say to them if that were true? So yeah, no, I absolutely. I think it's a learning and it's a coaching. And sometimes it's a even um, coaching myself as I'm yes. telling them, right? Because uh, it was, I would say more so, you know, once they started um, to be, you know, toddlers, that four, five, six-year-old range where you start to feel disappointment, you start to understand disappointment. Um, and you never want to d- diminish that, right? I mean, we were supposed to go apple picking today. Oh, now we're not going. We're going tomorrow instead. For a five-year-old, that's, like I was going right now, you know, that instant gratification of, well, what do you mean tomorrow? That's forever away. Um, so no, it did take coaching and learning. And, um, but I, I think I would always say things like, um, and they realized it was out of our control. Right. So it wasn't us going like, we don't feel like going today because we're getting a babysitter and we're going out on the town, (laughs) you know, (laughs) putting you guys on the back burner. Like they understood it wasn't that. Um, they understood that dad's job does require a lot sometimes. Um, and we even had that, I had a really busy season with my work, um, this past summer. And it was so great because my youngest was really struggling with it. And I heard my husband say, sometimes mom has to give more in certain seasons and it will go back down, but she has to give more, which we, we need to give more right now to support her, to support for her to support those families. Right. Um, and just, I think helping them understand that, especially in these professions, right. I I can't speak to all professions, but in my husband's professions, he's being called away for something really important. Um, you know, I'm being called away or called to do more with my job for to help people. Um, and so I think that is a little bit easier to explain to them, but it was not, I mean, it was a learning, I think (laughs) it's just, um, kind of repeated exposure to, Oh, Oh shoot. Or, and I think they knew that I would, 
um, I'd be like, oh, you know, dad's held over and we can't go apple picking as a family, but why don't we make some apple pie with the apples that are in our fridge right now or make apple dip right now? Here, here's your apples and apple dip, you know? And then they're like, ooh, a treat. <laughs> so I think with really little kids, it's almost distracting too. Like, yeah, well, you don't get to do this right now, but we'll do this and then we'll do this tomorrow. So no, it's definitely a learning and a coaching. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, what a beautiful picture that is like a full circle moment where, um, people are getting their turn. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm hearing is sometimes this job feels like you don't get a turn. Um, but even in that sense where Adam was able to say like, it's kind of mom's turn. Like I have the bandwidth to be able to give for that turn because my shift is different and our life is different right now. And so, you know, and then of course you also know that you, again, I think we live in like a boundaryless culture. So you still have to, you're boundarying on your side, knowing that really arguably you could never give enough, right? Like, and that's kind of even how the job is. You, there is always going to be something in someone. And so you have to learn how to boundary where you can and be understanding when you can, like when you can't. And um, I think you're right. It comes from the top down in the sense of things that you've had to learn um, is how you coach them through. Because, you know, we went the boys were around, I think five, four and five, when Kenny went to full-time slot. And, um, that was a hard adjustment for me. You know, I, I gotten used to the rhythm of fine. You're not here. And you don't always come home when you say you're going to come home and you're not here for certain holidays. And we've learned to overcome all that, but the call out part was really just killing me. Like it was like, it was that thing. Like, but you said, but we're going apple picking. Like I, I was like the five-year-old, like we're going apple picking. You just dashed my hopes and dreams. And so, um, having to learn a mentality of that he wasn't, and it was such a weird dynamic too, because he, I could see a lot. Oftentimes we kind of get a heads up that the call out is coming and it was like, he wanted to go. And that was hard because I'm like, how does it not feel like abandonment? Because it, or that in some ways you're not being me to do this. You're choosing to do this. Like, you know, and, um, and you want to, and what in the world does that mean? Like, why don't you want to go apple picking? You know? And it, you know, he would try to tell me it's not me not wanting to go apple picking. And it was, that was really hard for me to understand. And the more I like recount it to you, the more I'm like, Oh my word. Like I really was like the little kid that like no amount of making apple dip was going to console me. Like, why are you abandoning me? (laughs) So, um, but I had to learn and come to realize that, just a team mindset of that. We were, you know, my heart has always been to help others as well. Um, and it's what attracted me to Kenny and we help in different ways. And at, for our family at the season we were in, my help is a more supportive role in his, and then just really helping the people that are around me, like my kids. Um, but I want to help others and I have that same helping heart. And so if I started to look at him as the representative for our family that I was sending him, not that he needed my stamp of approval, but that he was an extension, not just of himself, but of us, like we are sending him. And so I had, you know, really had to grapple with that and come to terms with it. And then, um, it was Christmas day, that first year of call out and 6am they got called out. And now luckily because of six, seven years at that point of shift work, we had stopped celebrating Christmas day on Christmas, like eons ago. That was a perk of the job. Like I'm like, Whoa, Christmas, December 8th. Like we could just pick whatever we wanted because you couldn't have the actual tradition. And so even though he was supposed to be off that Christmas, we had done Christmas the day before as just the fan, our four of us. And so the boys, it's not that he missed key present time, but we still had to go to my parents and my oldest was like, you could tell he was grappling in his like five-year-old mind of like, how come most dads don't have to do this? Like, it was like, he was starting to realize like, wait a minute, like 
everybody else is home and you're going. And he was mad. And it was only out of that own, my own place of that I had resolved to have that team mindset that I was able to coach him through that. Cause I'm pretty sure if he had said that to me with tears in his eyes, with this little fist all balled up and saying, how come he gets to go? And I still felt that way too. I, I think I would have just been like, you're like, this sucks. Like, you know, like, what kind of example is that really being like, you know, but I was able to coach him from what I had to learn as well. Yeah. And that made well, all the difference. And for us, it, I think it's a constant coaching and learning because our boys this year, so again, right? Pros and cons. Adam went to first shift kind of unexpectedly and quicker than we thought this past summer, which meant all his holidays got bumped, which means he doesn't have Christmas off. He did a few months ago. Now he doesn't. And mm-hmm. so we kind of told the boys that, that dad has to work on Christmas this year of 2021. And that, um, it's probably going to be a 12 hour day. Like it's probably not going to be a regular eight hour shift. And they both were like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> you know? Um, and it was like, well, they're like, you had it off. You asked for it off. Well, when you go to day shift, you're now the least senior, your holidays are bumped, you know, which, which is a complex concept for little kids to get, but, you know, trying to explain to him that this is the way it is. And the benefit of first shift also comes with things that are not so great. Um, and so that's going to look very different. So if you've got any advice on that, <laughs> because we're still coaching the eight-year-old through that, because he's like, um, so what do we do with the presents? <laughs> he's trying to talk himself through this. And I said, we're going to have to wait for dad. And he's like, what if we just video him video chat? You know, now that's what everybody is like. Now let's just Skype him in, you know, or zoom <laughs> FaceTime or whatever. And it's like, no, we're not zoom opening presents. <laughs> not be a virtual Christmas now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's a constant, it's a constant conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for us, the good that came from that, because I wanted tradition so bad and it was just taken from us like pretty much every year for like six years that I started to realize, you know what, stop being upset that it's not on the 25th and be excited that it's on the 18th. Woo! Like, you know, and because we are family centered and we love our extended family, I, um, especially with little kids, I realized I did a bunch of Christmases in a row with extended family and all this stuff. And we were the last ones to open presents one year. And I was like, okay, I will never again do that because I discipline them all year round. And then by the time they got to my presence, they're like, meh, like because they'd opened up so many grandma presents, you know? So we decided that we would always do the four of us, our own thing for a whole day, whatever day, you know, we pick that day, but that was something that we had to find. And and my only stipulation is that it comes before all the extended family stuff. Like, so I can like, you know, reap the reward of excitement in there. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so, um, so anyway, we, that, that day floats. And for me, that was what made it fun. You know what I mean? Like that was the silver lining for our family and what we did with it. Um, but then, yeah, then you add in a new element of what happens when he gets caught in on your floating day. Like you already didn't pick Christmas and now it's the 18th and he's gone or, you know, whatever. So yeah, you're right. It's a continual adjustment. That's funny that you use that word because that's what the department issues is floating holidays. So they Mm -hmm. don't, you know, because they have to work holidays, they get so many floating holidays. And so that's probably what exactly what it's for, right? Christmas on the 18th or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, I feel like we could talk forever and I don't even know if we got to all the things that I wanted to talk about, but that's okay. Um, I am just so glad that you were on and I couldn't help but think, do you remember when we were in ESR in Wyoming um, that I think it was one of the last days and and a couple of the girls were like, there should be a Shauna and Sarah show. Do you remember they, they wanted us I to do. Like, like, you should travel. Well, here it is, folks. Here's the Shauna and Sarah show. <laughs> 
I don't know. We think we're funny. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I find, I think we're hilarious, but who knows? Let's see. But all right. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship so, so much. You were such a gift to me. Like I said, Corey is a great matchmaker friend. She did use, I know she kind of pulled from knowing our strengths, which I did want to ask you. I know developer is your first one. What do you have adaptability? Is that what you're speaking to? Is that in like your number five or in your top five? Um, you know, I think it's in my top 10. Yeah. What's your no, top my, five? Pretty much my top five are about relationships. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, um, developer, um, empathy, responsibility, um, which responsibility being number three, I just have to be really, Corey explained that one so well, um, because I do, I take people on as my responsibility, problems, things. I take everything on as a responsibility. So, um, if anybody hasn't looked at that, it is such a gift in your marriage and just in your life in general to kind of take a look at that. Um, because I remember saying to Corey, my strengths are awful. They're not strengths, they're weaknesses. And she was like, try to find like, what is good about those? And I'm like, no, they've been weaknesses in my life. And it wasn't until I really looked at like, well, how do I use those for good? How do I use those for good in my marriage and in my life? Um, that I realized, and even putting boundaries around those. We've talked about that a ton too, right? Not overusing one superpower as Corey calls it. Um, Cause that can certainly be a bad thing too. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I feel like we do have a lot of similar ones. I don't have adaptability in my top 10 clearly. Cause I'm like, the only thing is inconsistency. Like stop throwing crap at me. <laughs> but, but I have like, like developers number one for you. I think it's 10 for me. Like, and then we, uh, empathy is in both in our top five. And so anyway, it's just interesting how it plays out in relationships. Um, you did get to come, um, in 2019 and you, your family came and stayed with my family and it was like just the best little visit, you know, I just loved it. It was so cool. Um, you said that you have two boys. I have two boys, you know, it was like, everybody's around the same age. Um, our husbands just chatted, we chatted and I could have, it could have gone on so much longer for me. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And I, we're all about our home being a place of peace and we just welcomed you in and it was so peaceful and it was just really was. nice my favorite one of my favorite memories is like the first day you took out this platter of cheese from like costco and you're like here are some and you had beautiful food and it was you were just the most perfect host but you're like i realize you're from wisconsin and this is the cheese i have i hope this is okay <laughs> and, and it just you're just so thoughtful and so caring it was definitely a good experience for us too and then so when we got home sending that cheese basket of all the specialty cheeses the boys had so much fun picking those out for your kids so that was fun oh yeah and the, my boys still talk about it they're like i'll try to bring home my costco cheese and see now they're wisconsin cheese people they're like we want blueberry cheese what is this <laughs> so our next goal is to make it to you now that i, I just got to stop adding all these farm animals and stuff to my life so i can travel but yeah i definitely want to see you soon but i'm so glad that you could join me and yeah, thanks I love, for having me i love your just positive outlook and just i always love chatting with you so thanks again for being here and being my friend yes thanks for having me i appreciate you Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.